Hi, welcome to Piloting. I'm Renee. And I'm Melissa. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. Happy week after the Super Bowl. (laughs) How are you doing, Melissa? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm still in recovery from that Usher concert. Um, but otherwise, a good kind of recovery, good kind of hangover from that concert. I forgot just how many good hits there was. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we he didn't has even over get his like a of his quarter career. of them. Yeah, he has so many. Yeah, absolutely. And the surprise, I personally didn't know any of the guests that were coming. So I was pleasantly surprised to see her and Alicia Keys and Luda. Well, John, am I missing anybody? I think that was everyone. Oh, Will I am. Oh, yeah. I was like, there was another Will guy there. there. Yes. That I don't remember food. Yeah. yeah. But no, Usher was fantastic. I'm so glad he brought out the roller skates. I was pushing everyone in my watch party. I was like, I think he's going to be on skates. And everyone was like, stop talking about the skates. I'm like, I think it's going to happen. So I was happy to see that. Um, I think for me, I'm in recovery from the Beyonce album news. That's what I'm still processing and will be processing until March 29th. Um, So excited. (laughs) So, so, so excited. (laughs) Uh, Probably best commercial of Super Bowl. For me. I'm going to assume for you. Best, yeah. Obviously, she never (laughs) does stuff like that. So she was the best commercial. But you know what? I also loved that Google AI commercial with the couple and the man was like visually impaired. I mean. Oh my God. If I wasn't stuffing my Lost face with empanadas, I would have really fallen apart. But it was so beautiful. Oh no, I, <laughs> I did fall apart. I was Aww. very emotional for that one. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, I like the mix. I like the mix of like bricking the internet, some good laughs, even the, the silly one with that, Big weird monster gummy. Oh, the nerds nerds gummy. I forgot about that. I don't know why I was so entertained by that one, but it obviously made an impression for me to remember it and talk about it. So, yeah, no, yeah, it was it was a good night. It was a good night for sure. The ads, the performances, the my team won. Um, It was a good game. Regard, I guess, obviously, if you're a Forty Niners fan, the outcome wasn't what you wanted, but. The second half and overtime, like, became quite a game. So, yeah, it was a good night. I I love games like that where it's, like, championships. Like, obviously, this is the Super Bowl, and they're very well-matched. Like, I feel like it was a very well-matched team in terms of playing against each other. Uh, so I love I love to see it. And even though I'm not, like, a football person myself, like, I don't know much about it. I don't have, like, a favorite team. Um I was entertained and I was on the edge of my seat watching this game. So maybe this will inspire me to understand football better and actually root for people and understand the lingo because I don't. Sorry. I only understand about 70% of it and they're the only team that I pay attention to and it's loose. So I'm not, I just don't want to misrepresent myself as a sports girly. I'm not quite there yet. But I am learning more about American football. Um, Yeah, it was good. Hey, you have a team. 
picked them um, randomly because I have no 70%. connection to Kansas City, but I picked them several years ago and I got lucky. I picked a winning team. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I literally was like, oh, who's this? Yeah, anyways, it was really random, <laughs> but now I'm involved. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. There, there I didn't no... realize it was that random. No. An influencer I followed just like had a lot of posts about them. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll like see what this is about. <laughs> and that's how I became a fan. A <laughs> Chiefs fan. Yeah. Uh... But switching gears from all Americana mm-hmm. Super Bowl to our book club this week, which is taking us to the other side of the world, to Japan, because we are reading Ikigai, uh, or we have read <laughs> Ikigai, The Japanese Secret to a Long and Happy Life by Hector Garcia and Francesca Morales. I believe I'm saying their names correctly. This is an international best-selling book about the concept of Ikigai, which is a Japanese principle, um, which is basically the reason you get up in the morning or the happiness of always being busy. So we read this book to learn about finding your purpose, um, finding fulfillment and joy in life and kind of see how people on in other cultures at other stages and ages of their life are doing it. Yeah. Love that intro. And I would say, um, this book is recommended for those, I would say, like an intro to Ikigai and an intro to other concepts um, in the East that we've adopted in the West. And when it comes to finding purpose in your life, how to live long, uh, what does longevity look like? Um, is there a point to living longer? Should I seek a higher purpose? What is the meaning of my life? So if any of those questions have ever surfaced in your mind, which probably is about 99.9% of us, I would say understanding Ikigai and how people have found their Ikigai and how people have lived to be 100, sometimes up to 122 years. Um, This book was good to introduce you to a lot of those concepts and then flag like, oh, I really like that. I want to lean more into some of these concepts and – like he talks about blue zones, which we've mentioned before, mm-hmm. and just like a preliminary summary of what the blue zones are. But there are definitely additional references that they have where you can get real, real deep into it, which I know Renee has. She's re- You've read the book. Yes. I'm a big fan of the blue zones. The other book. Yeah. <laughs> big fan of the blue zones. And I really I enjoyed this book too. And I liked your recommendation, Melissa, because I think longevity is very trendy right now. Like we have more science and medicine that are helping people live longer, but there's no point in living longer if you don't really have a reason to be here, you know? And so I think this finding mm. purpose and connection makes the idea of more years on this planet feel rewarding and fulfilling versus just like, why are we sticking around? You know, if you have a reason to live, then like you probably want more years. So I like that connection you made. And the way, yeah, the way you framed that and it is trendy in terms of our relationships and seeing what our relationship is to work. I mean, I think it's, I'm sure it's been around, but it has been amplified, I would say in the last decade, like in the last decade of connecting your purpose into what you do for work 
or how you serve others or where and how you spend most of your time. Um, and there are, so you mentioned like Ikigai as being that purpose. Like what is, what is the reason I get up in the morning? What is that light that is guiding me to keep moving forward, to keep running and walking through that mud to get to the other side of pain or something like that. Um, but it also is, if you've seen the, you may have seen like the Ikigai diagram. It looks to me like, let me see if I can, the screenshot's not going to be great, but I'm going to show it anyway. <laughs> yeah. In the back of the book sleeve or the back of the book, it's imagine these four circles uh, over overlapping one another. And it's like, and it creates these diagrams and it, and then Ikigai is right there in the center. So it's connecting what you love. It connects what the world needs. It connects what you're good at and what you can get paid for. Um, I've heard another person talking about Ikigai and has another book. So I'll link the podcast episode I heard a little bit of. Um, And he says, I want to replace the what you can get paid for for the what you can get rewarded for. Mm. And I thought that was like an interesting take on that. And I kind of preferred that, right? Of just that mind shift of reward versus pay. Yeah, because reward doesn't have to be financial. Exactly. Um, But right into the center of that, connecting your passion, mission, profession, vocation, is your ikigai. Um, And no, at the end of this book, I did not come to the conclusion of what my ikigai is. (laughs) Spoiler alert. I don't know if you did. I don't know if you did, Renee. But I think what it reminded me most about how do I even find my ikigai? What does that even mean? is it's a game of patience and it's a game of discovery um, and and doing things, testing things out, pushing yourself to understand what is that light, what is that ikigai that really that I really want to center my life around. Um, almost like a word of the year, but it's more so a word of your life. I think what I liked about this book, because I think someone, if you're going into this book and you don't already have an interest specifically in Japanese culture or Eastern philosophies, you might be thinking, well, why should I read this? I think it's a good read if you're trying to understand, like we've been saying, your purpose in life. And like you mentioned, Melissa, you don't necessarily create your purpose, you discover it. And so this book, I will be frank, it's not like some of the other books we've read, which give you specific exercises that say, write down the answers to these seven questions, and that helps you, you know, figure this out. Or let's, you know, do a free writing exercise where I poll people on what they think my strengths and skill sets are. This isn't as tactical and like business oriented, but they do talk a lot about flow state. And they describe flow state as the state in which people are so immersed or involved in an activity that nothing else seems to matter. The experience itself is so enjoyable that people will do it even at great cost for the sheer sake of doing it. And the reason that flow state is important is that discovering the things that you enjoy doing, that you kind of lose sense of time in doing, that you feel like you get a reward out of doing can help to point you in the direction of what that ikigai or purpose might be. And so for some people, it could be a hobby. It could be creating art, music, 
beauty. It could be the work that you get paid for. They talk about certain animators and um, ceramicists and different artisans who they get flow state by the things they like work on for money. But for some people, it could be parenting. Maybe being with your children is what brings you into that flow state. And your purpose is being the best mom ever or being a dutiful son, you know? So if you, it doesn't tell you how to answer that question, but it helps you kind of identify when do I, when do my mind, body, and spirit get into this flow state And maybe that points me in the direction of, hmm, I really enjoy cooking. Maybe there's something there. Or maybe there's something when I'm writing plans at work. Maybe there's like a strategy part of my brain that that's like leading me in the direction to kind of discover what that is. Yeah. Um, With the flow state, what I liked about it is I've never really – envisioned and and called it anything other than just enjoying what I'm doing. I've heard flow state mentioned in exercises like yoga, um, you know, your flow yoga, like really being in tune with your mind and your body. Um, And with just time in general, that feeling of time vanishing, um, it is, and especially as we get, we get older, we do, I don't know, maybe it's not for everybody, but we do less of what we enjoy because of the things we feel like we have to do. Like it's always a battle between obligation, imagination, and and just enjoyment. And so when I was reading this whole section on flow state, I was like, wow, what are the things that I really just get so immersed in and that I just lose complete sense of time in the best way possible. Because it's true, like, when we do things that we don't enjoy, time feels like forever. (laughs) If we're in a meeting that, you know, we don't want to be in, or if we have to sit through a lecture and we're like, I don't even really want to do anything with math, but I got to sit through this math class, it feels like time cannot go by faster. And I think it was Einstein who said, put your hand on a stove for a minute, feels like an hour. Sit with a pretty girl for an hour and it feels like a minute. That feels like relativity. And so it's the same when we try to hone in on what this flow state is. Um, And you're right, like all of us have very different definitions of what brings joy to us, where we find that flow state. Um, one of, I think one thing that was alarming for me, that was like, wow, okay, I definitely get into a flow state is when I'm reading. And that's like one thing, like, argue, um, you know, I could argue that's one of the things that I'm doing that I'm like, yep, I get so immersed. I get so obsessed that it's hard mm. to pull me away <laughs> from this other world, from these other characters because of how much I am enjoying that. Um did this section illuminate any activities that kind of put you in like a flow state as well? It did. Um, things that put me in a flow state. I also love reading. That's one of mine. Dancing is a big one for me. Just any mm-hmm. kind of like moving my body like that just feels really rewarding. Um, I like learning choreography, but also just like free movement. So that's a flow state. I think 
be like hearing people's or taking in people's stories like I love like film for that reason I love long conversations with friends and like these are things that like I've always been consistent about like I I mean you will know this Melissa as someone who's known me as a child like I'm the person at the sleepover who's like let's just keep talking and let's just like keep (laughs) connecting like I'm never the first I was never the first kid to go to sleep and like I start trying to think about okay, what does that mean? And it doesn't have to be taking a step back from ikigai. Like, I don't think it has to be literal. I think when I was figuring out like career life stuff, it's like, oh, I love dancing. Does that mean I have to be a choreographer? Not necessarily, but maybe there's something there that says sitting at a desk forever is not the right Mm -hmm. space. It doesn't have to be that you're a professional modern ballet dancer. You know, I like storytelling, like hearing people's stories. I think that's part of why I love the podcast so much because we talk to each other and we like, I'm learning new things about you every time. And when we have guests on hearing their stories and the books we read. So I don't think you have to take it literally and say, I love fishing. I have to be a professional sports fisher. You know, there might be clues in there that you can extrapolate from and find, find the connection or not find, put yourself in places to discover what yeah. that, what those dots, how those dots are connecting if you take a step back. Yeah. Cause you know, you might be someone who's in a non-creative field right now. I'm just going to pick on accounting just cause I don't know anything about it and why not. Um, but then you <laughs> find yourself in a flow state when you're cooking. Um, that's an example they had in the book. You mentioned that earlier And to your point, it's like, okay, maybe it's not drop your nine to five, going to be a cook now and go up the ranks in the kitchen and become um, Michelin star chef. But it's that state of creating community at your table. It's hosting. It's providing nutrition. That's like maybe the way Mm. that you feel like you're serving your family. Maybe it's the – maybe you like following directions. And that is why like – you have found, okay, I am somebody who sticks to the recipes. I like that type of direction following, structure, rigor, or not. Or you discover you're someone who's like, you know what? That's six, six ounces. I'm going to try 10 ounces, <laughs> which is kind of more. Yeah. <laughs> Some people want to freestyle and, you know, experiment. I, yeah. I I like that example you did you did with the cooking. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, because one of the things that I have recently discovered is like I never enjoyed cooking. I don't know what it was, but for me, I've discovered the way to get into my flow state with cooking is when it doesn't feel like a chore and when it Mm. doesn't feel like something that I have to do. Now, I don't always get that feeling like there are definitely times I cook and I'm like, because I have to cook because if I don't, I can't provide myself with food. Um, But yeah, I think what you were mentioning of of taking note of the things about the things that you're doing is just it's going to get you closer and closer to understanding what it is out of this life that we want. Um, and I'm excited for that discovery. Like I feel like I'm in maybe phase two or phase three of a 15 step process to uncovering what my ikigai is. But yeah, I think just taking note of those flow states and so many of my flow states overlap with yours. 
I can confirm um, maybe if everyone else fell asleep at the sleepover, you and I were up till 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I we should have known we were going to have a podcast from then. <laughs> there were signs. <laughs> there, there were so many signs pointing to this. And we didn't even know what a podcast was back then. And yeah, of just what is it that you do in your day-to-day or you just can't get enough of that brings you – I don't know. It just, it seems like nothing else matters in those moments that you are so present. And, um, I don't before, I mean, before this book, I I think I knew kind of what that was, but now after reading it, I'm really going to pay attention to hobbies, to just moments. Like what is it about the specific person I'm talking to where, okay, we said we're going to do an 11 o'clock coffee shop meeting. And then all of a sudden it's, 3.30. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's that, like you said, it's paying attention to it and really picking apart not just the what, but the what about it. (laughs) That, Mm. like, what what those dots mean. I think what was also interesting in the discussion of flow is, yes, we're talking about, like, bigger picture flow, like the cooking, the things I want to do, and – I think that's important, but they also talk about this concept of, I think it's called micro flows, where mm-hmm. you can even tap into that flow state, even if it's not your favorite thing ever to do in the world. And that can help some of the activities that might not, you know, tap into your innate joy, but still find some peace and rhythm in it. Like they mentioned, for example, in Japan, I believe it's a department store where they still have elevator operators who work there so instead of you as the customer just coming in and out of the elevator and touching the buttons on your own they still have you know a job which has kind of gone out of fashion in most industries in most parts of the world but they have an elevator operator who greets you they move you to the floor they you know give you a greeting as you leave and how Eve they spoke to someone who's been doing that job for decades and that person in this sort of mundane routine job still finds purpose and flow in it, even though maybe it's not their favorite thing ever. And I I do want to say, if you guys are interested in that idea of finding meaning and like your small everyday stuff, there's a beautiful movie, depending on where you are, it might be hard to find in cinemas, but it's out right now. It's called Perfect Days by Wim Wenders. It is it's Japan's it's actually Japanese it's Japan's entry into the Oscar so it's Oscar nominated this year as like for the foreign film and it's about this man this older man in his 70s who cleans toilets in Tokyo and it is just a beautiful meditation on this man's simple life his routines in the morning his simple job it's not about here are the crazy cataclysmic things like i'm secretly a superhero or my long lost granddaughter came to visit and it shook up my world it's just like a beautiful meditation on like finding flow in the everyday and that you can be at peace with just like simplicity and it's just so heartwarming. So if you're if you're interested in that idea of flow and you're thinking, I don't need a crazy big life. I believe in like simplicity and a slow life. I think maybe I think you would maybe like this. I'll I'll find I'll drop a link to it in the show notes. Perfect days. It's out right now. And you can say that you saw one of the Oscar nominated foreign films this year. 
Yeah. I need to watch that. I think I I am someone who teeters on the what and how are ways to simplify my life but still make it feel really fulfilling and full. Um, and so like how – yeah, what's that – I'm still trying to figure out like what's that balance for me of how do I remain ambitious to the goals that I set forth but also feel a lot of peace with creating rituals and things that provide a lot of value to my life. Um, and you mentioned meditation, which is something they talked a lot about in this book as well of <laughs> practicing getting into that flow state. I am not necessarily a meditator. Um, I definitely got into it after a really traumatic like car accident I was in a long like a few years back, which was it was my fault. What? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Learning new things I didn't about me. a car accident. <laughs> I was. Everyone was safe, but it was my fault. God. And it was during one of those times in my life where I was younger, I was in my mid-20s, but work just consumed me and I didn't realize how much I was on autopilot until that accident happened. And so there was a lot of like shame, a lot of like guilt, a lot of just like, what am I doing? How did I get here? I'm, you know, like I am someone who found a lot of value in the things I bring to work, but it's, it's kind of acting like acting out on me like why are you why are you becoming my enemy type of mentality and I that's when I started meditating um and I think you'll like this quote from the book I'm sure you highlighted it but medit it said meditation is like carrying a spa with you wherever you go and so like that's one of like the best ways to sort of treat yourself and and get in a state of not blankness like it's not they don't want you to not feel things I think the point of meditation is to feel your feelings but understanding that they are fleeting moments and to learn to absorb those feelings but then let let them go and then now you've given it its attention you've acknowledged it you've given it some validation and you're like bye-bye you're not serving me anymore good luck your next life. <laughs> yeah. So I liked, I, yeah. When I am good with my meditation, I do notice a huge difference. Like I got into meditation for the first time in 2020 during the pandemic and I was really consistent. I had like a very strict morning routine and I think that helped a lot with managing like my mental health and just all of the emotions that we all probably went through in our own way during those early years. And I'm trying to get back to the level of consistency I was. And I do say like, I do feel better the days that I meditate than I, than when I don't. And so I'm trying to bring that back into my daily routine. Another concept that I liked in the book that they reference is the idea of compass over maps. I think- There's this idea as we think about our purpose and our direction, you know, that I need to have a detailed map. I need to know, turn left here, say yes to grad school or no to grad school. Yes to this job, no to this job. Yes to this partner, no to this opportunity. Like we want to have everything mapped out. And sometimes when things are over planned like that, you can have a really detailed map that leads you nowhere or leads you not 
exactly where you want to go. And I think that gets frustrating for people like us. If you're seeking like, well, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? You, you want it all laid out and that's just not how it works. And so instead they advocate to have a compass and just know that if you're going in the right general direction, it's okay if some of the turns are unfamiliar and you don't know exactly do I step left at this tree or do I turn right? Like some of those things are normal and accepted and not accepted, but expected. And you just need to focus on going in the right general direction versus overly planning everything. Because I think in general, you probably will have more than one ikigai or purpose throughout your life as well. I don't think you arrive at it and then it's like, that's permanent. Like I mentioned parenting before, you might have a strong purpose And then you choose to have children and a whole new purpose opens up to you. Or if you're someone who never wants kids, maybe an event happens or you meet someone who introduces you to something new and you're like, whoa, like I I know people who accidents, health incidents, like other, you know, things that might be seen as bad happen to them. And that unlocked, well, you know what, when I had that health scare, that's when I realized I wanted to really get into health and fitness, or I really wanted to give back to the community and be connected to people who don't have stuff. So just keep your compass in the right direction. And it's okay if you don't have a map that lays it all out. I really liked that one too. I have sort of shed this idea of needing like a five-year, 10-year plan. Um, I don't really do that as much anymore. I'm trying to lead into the being present (laughs) and enjoying Mm -hmm. that and being grateful for that. Um, I think before we move on to some other awesome things that we, awesome concepts from the book, one last thing on the flow state is I think I just want to mention that the flow state is not necessarily to just coast or some would say being on autopilot. The flow state is sort of a balance between having something that brings comfort to you, right? Like something you enjoy, but also challenging enough where you are still in that growth space. So stretching, I think we've talked about stretching before, just that right amount to take you out of your comfort zone. They have this like nice little chart of like, if you're doing a task that's too easy, it's going to be boring. If you do a task that's challenging, you're going to get into that flow state. And then if you do a task that's just, way out of your concept of wanting to even have any sort of foundational knowledge on. Like I can't read a book on astrophysics. I'd probably crumble. Um, It creates anxiety. So like what is that in between the easy and the super challenging, anxious, driven task? That's that middle ground. That's the flow state. Everything in life comes back to Goldilocks. Like, you know, it's all about moderation is key. You have to find it just right. But you're right. Like, you, uh, it, it, everything yeah. comes back to Goldilocks. <laughs> <laughs> the right, this is the perfect soup. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another I know you concept. wanted to mention, oh, go ahead. I was just going to lead you into it. <laughs> We're, we're going to get there eventually. But yeah, one other concept that I really liked that they brought up in this book is the idea of resilience and also this idea of anti-fragility. 
Um, and so yes. my understanding, because I, I mean, I know what fragile is, but the concept of anti-fragility was new to me in terms of how they defined it. And so resilience is not just the ability to persevere. It's an outlook that we can cultivate to stay focused on important things in life rather than what is the most urgent. Um, and it helps to keep ourselves from being carried away by negative emotions. But being anti-fragile goes beyond resilience. So where resilience is withstanding harm, anti-fragile is getting stronger when you're harmed. And I, I've never really thought about it in that way. So how do we – and I think this is so important for those on their piloting journey because like everything in life, life be life in <laughs> – and we're mm-hmm. going to face adversity. We're going to face setbacks. We're going to fall several times and have to get ourselves up and pick ourselves up every single time. So how does adopting an anti-fragile attitude get us closer and closer and closer to discovering our ikigai? Um, and so I just think the topic of it's not – it's like being optimistic, but there's also just like this line of of reality here where all of us, as we go on these journeys, we take risks. Those risks come with consequences, you know, good consequences, learning consequences of, of feeling a setback. And how do we build that emotional resilience to deal with it, pick ourselves back up, and face it? I – also highlighted so many parts in that chapter about resilience and anti-fragile. I wasn't familiar with anti-fragility. I think there's like a K-pop song called anti-fragile and that's like the first time I'd ever heard that word. I thought they I thought they just like didn't really it. understand English and made it up. Oh, stop. <laughs> so, I, I was really surprised to see it in here as like a deeper like, like, concept. I'm just not saying that's me. Because Sometimes sometimes you do see songs where people just like throw buzzwords together, but I was like, oh, this is interesting as, as a terminology. And I do like that because I think we're all familiar, I think, with resilience. You know, something bad happened to me. I had a setback. I got pushed down and I stood up, but, you know, I'm bruised and battered. And it's, it's like this idea for me of resilience is surviving and being anti-fragile is thriving. And it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to you, yeah. but you know, there's so many times that like you see someone go through something and you're like, yeah, I got through it, but they're like not looking their best. You know, it's like, they're just, mm-hmm. they've just scraped by and you know, big, they're different sizes of things in the world, trauma, setbacks, you know, things that push you down. So I, I understand that not everyone can bounce back for everything quickly, you know, every different things take different time, but I, but I like this idea of finding a way, whatever that timeline looks like for you to move into an anti-fragile mindset. It's not just like, Oh, I survived this, but I am better for having experienced that. I experienced a public humiliation and now I've learned more about empathy and Mm -hmm character and reputation or I experienced this awful 
breakup and now I know more about boundaries and it's expanded my capacity for love or, you know, whatever that thing is. It's just such an, it's a very empowering idea that I can be anti-fragile despite the things that happened to me. Mm-hmm. I love the way you framed that with thriving versus surviving. I mean, that's the goal. I mean, everyone's yeah. goal in life, you know what I mean? Everyone's goal in life is to find that happiness, find that peace, whatever that means to them. And just the the mind shift now of thinking about resilience versus thinking about anti-fragility, I'm like, wow, that's a muscle that I need to stretch, you know what I mean? Like continuously stretch every day because (laughs) sometimes we go through life of like, if I don't feel pain, that's best case scenario, but it's not often the reality. And so now looking at it as, uh, I think they mentioned in the book, getting stronger with every blow, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like knock me down seven times. I'll get up eight, you know, just, that like montage in that movie of when, you know, the karate's running up the steps. <laughs> yeah. Like karate kid, like he's training and he's going to win the fight and like blood sport. Like yeah. I'm thinking like that sort of moment of growth. Now I'm not probably going to put myself into a boxing ring or any sort of one-to-one combat, um, but I think it is very <laughs> plot twist. <laughs> Melissa's a fighter. <laughs> Although, fun fact, when I was younger, I did do karate and I did do karate competitions. Uh, oh, I know. I did so not. Much about you today. <laughs> I did not get first place in sparring. Uh, makes sense because I'm like, Ugh. but I did get first place in kata, which is essentially like the choreographed dancing of karate where you're just like kind of doing moves and you're doing like a whole routine yeah so that's on my dad did taekwondo for years not karate but he did it as an adult I remember like going to see my dad do taekwondo after his office job wow I like that about him did it while I was a child yeah honestly I've thought about like okay what are the things that I really enjoyed when I was younger that put me in good flow states um piano lessons were one of them and karate was one of them. I actually really did enjoy going to karate when I was younger. Uh, and so, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to have to pick it back up. <laughs> I feel like looking back to your childhood or just other things in your past that brought you joy or were, what we're now learning is maybe flow state. I think that's a great starting point. I, even if it's not like, I love music, let me be a DJ. I think it's a good starting point to kind of reconnect with that inner child and, you know, focus on the things that are important and not urgent, which I think is a concept they Mm. mentioned in the book too, um, that we're so Mm. modern life forces you to focus on the urgent, including things that aren't urgent, like notifications on your phone and just other distractions that I think looking backwards sometimes when you don't have as many responsibilities, it's like, well, what was important to me when I didn't have bills and I didn't like... I wasn't responsible. I had no dependence. Like, what are those things and how can I bring that back to my life? Mm -hmm. And then what are the things that overlap between all of those activities 
and then you're just like chipping away at discovering what that ikigai is. Uh, yeah. And then it could that just like Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like thrust you and prompt you into like another path that opens up these windows to be like, ah, that's what I was meaning to find. And now my piloting journey starts here. And yeah, <laughs> and it's the, I'm glad that you mentioned patience earlier because I think there's this rush to like, I want to feel it now. It's like that the ending of when Harry met Sally. Like now I know what it is. I want to like run towards it. And like mm-hmm. I I've mentioned before, I'm that person who just like has that hunger to do it quickly. But it's nice, I think, when you can be on a winding road and look back and say, oh, you know. I didn't know at 45 I'd end up here. I didn't know at 85 I'd end up here, but I can look back now and see that all of these steps, no matter how disparate and unconnected they seemed, were actually stepping stones that like brought me to this destination. Yeah. And I mean, I feel that way now when we're, you know, in our 30s and we look back on everything that we have experienced in this part of our life and we're like that was meant to happen that needed to happen Mm -hmm. I did not know that at the time I was like pushing and shoving and like I had nothing I I did not want to do I was fighting it but then you look back now and you're like no that was critical (laughs) that was that was an important step yeah I'm pushing myself away from a door that I have to go through (laughs) And even if I push myself away from it, that door will find me in another way. Like, I don't think I can fully escape some of the things. And I guess kind of wrapping up some of the ideas we talked about in this book, I think there's a line in here that, I mean, it's not like mind-blowing. You've heard it before, but if you haven't, it really struck me in this book, which, again, the happiness is in the doing, not the result. It's not about rushing to say, ah, I've, I'm 26. I found my ikigai check mark. That's going to be a static thing for the rest of my life. You know, it's, it's really all about the journey and just enjoying the process. I think a couple of weeks ago, we talked about romanticizing the journey. And I think that's really true in this discovery of ikigai because life's always going to be life and <laughs> things are going to throw you and blow you off course and I think it you will find that joy and fulfillment like a lot of the older people we didn't we're not going to be able to talk about it today but the book also talks a lot about longevity in the sense of what to eat to live for a long life and like different behaviors and one of the things that comes up a lot is about always stay moving you know like they mean that in terms of physical activity but I think it also is that flow state where it's like you don't want to be static water you're like a river I'm constantly flowing I'm constantly moving it's the doing that brings me the joy and fulfillment not all right I wrote that animated film I'm done it's like no they're like I want to keep working like a lot of these people like they have in this ikigai book there's not a Japanese word for retire. Like, it's like once you find that purpose, you want to keep doing it till the day you die. You might not want to make money till the day you die, but you're like, I want to keep drawing my cartoons. I want to keep playing the oboe, even if it's not on stage. Like, I just want to keep doing these things. So I think that's my last thought. It's just like, remember to find happiness in the doing and not just 
in the result because I don't know that you ever fully arrive anywhere. And if you're waiting for that, that might just create more anxiety. Mm -hmm. I could not stop nodding the whole time you were talking. (laughs) Um, And um, Bruce Lee, you know, my dad's like favorite person in the whole world said, be like water. That's right. He knows what he was talking about. Um, And you're right. Like we definitely didn't even scratch the surface and cannot get into longevity talking about the centurions and and super centurions. But a lot of the stories that and interviews that they shared in this book were some of my takeaways as well in terms of how to get how to get closer to that ikigai and just how to live a fulfilling life. And and some of these thoughts and and advice that they shared some of my favorites were live an unhurried life so we talked about patience and how do we you know and it it, it gets down to being present and it gets down to building that patience as a muscle that in itself is um represents strength patience patience is strength um and i know that I am not the most patient person. And so for me, and I'm like, oof, that one struck a good chord. Another one um, was you have to learn to relax. <laughs> <laughs> I love anytime old people give advice I because I, I love old people so much. <laughs> you can trust it. Talk. Yeah. You're like, you're 116 years old. This advice came from someone who was 116 years old. Um, and yeah, so her three were, you have to learn how to relax. You're going to love this one, Renee. Eat sushi. Like her favorite two things were eating sushi and sleeping. <laughs> and then having a tremendous thirst for life. <laughs> She's doing it right. Eat sushi, like, relax, and enjoy your life. Talk about being in a flow state when I'm at an omakase. Like that is ultimate flow state of joy (laughs) running through my veins (laughs) same and watching people who like are so dedicated to the craft of sushi making yeah (laughs) did you ever Um, see that documentary they mentioned jiro dreams of sushi it's it's so good it's on netflix it's so good and anytime i can just watch somebody making sushi like it's the most relaxing to me i don't do this anymore but when i in college, for some reason, um, it was a habit to like fall asleep with the TV on. I don't do that anymore. But the only things that I can fall asleep on with the TV is when I'm watching like very calm cooking shows or like cooking YouTube Ooh. channels. You know what I mean? Like it's so – it soothes me. Puts me in a good state of mind before bed. I can't do that anymore because mm-hmm. I'll just like stay up and watch it. <laughs> Because I'm like, tell me everything. <laughs> Taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I absolutely recommend this book for folks who are in that state in life where you're seeking a higher purpose and you want to explore what longevity looks like, how to integrate some of best practices into your everyday gratitude that state of calm, protecting your peace, protecting your time. Um, I enjoyed it. And I think this is just like the beginning of my Ikigai journey. And I would say the same for yours. And 
Um, there's actually a quiz that I found online about like your ikigai's personality or your ikigai style. I did not finish it because this test was like taking me forever. So caveat, like it was taking me a long time. It had a lot of questions, um, but I'll drop it in show notes just in case there is some value there. <laughs> Although I can't validate Interesting. it. Interesting. An uh, online quiz seems so it. like an- antithetical to the whole I know. discovery of it. But I'm curious. I love a yeah. personality quiz, even if I'm like this – seems like an odd choice but yeah. yeah drop the link i'm curious well we're, we'll test it out I, I, yeah <laughs> but i'm i love uh, a quiz yeah i'm intrigued <laughs> to see what it is i'll be the i'll be the quote guinea pig for it before i really shout it from the rooftops thank you i'm excited um switching gears what's your gold star this week al Okay. I was definitely struggling at first. I was like, oh my God, what's my gold star? There's so many things that I love. Um, but I landed on Olipop because Ooh. I've introduced my mom to Olipop and now she's on the Olipop train. So Olipop, their tagline is it's a new kind of soda. So it gets it gives you that soda feel of carbonation, a little bit of sweetness, but it definitely is not the 36 gram of sugar in a can soda it's filled with prebiotics it has a lot of fiber in it um but it does they do have a like a lot of flavors that represent your favorite childhood soda so there's like a vintage cola Mm. there's an orange squeeze there's a grape soda um but my favorite flavors are the root beer one the orange squeeze and the fruit punch. Um, those are those are the top three. I think there's like a watermelon lime one. I haven't tried that one yet, but my mom loves it. And I trust her judgment in that. So if you want to try that out. But uh, they sell them at Target. They sell them, um, I think, at a lot of grocery stores. And you can also order them online. But Olipop. Olipop, baby. Ooh. Um, I have two gold stars this week, so I'll go quickly. (laughs) Um, my first gold star is heavily related to this book. It's a company called Wellness East, and it's modern wellness products inspired by the culture and ingredients of Okinawa, Japan. And I discovered this website about a year or two ago, as Melissa mentioned, I'm a big fan of the Blue Zones, so I'd heard about Okinawa through that. And they have they have body products and other things. But what I really like is they have vitality supplements. And so one of the things which they mention in the book Ikigai, um, that's a lot of doctors that I follow their podcast have talked about in terms of longevity, is this unique fruit. It's called the shikawasa yeah. lime. They don't really have it here in the U.S., but it's, it's this thing that's kind of like a cross between a lime and an orange, but it's way more potent in terms of like the vitamins, antioxidants, and some of the health benefits that it provides. And this company, Wellness East, they sell a shikwasa lime powder that you can um, just put with hot water and like have it in the morning. (gasps) And I start my mornings with a morning tonic anyway of lemon, apple cider vinegar, 
ginger and hot water. So sometimes I alternate instead of my usual morning tonic, I'll have the shikwasa lime powder with hot water. And it has like a little citrus flavor. It's, you know, delicious. They ship, I believe, internationally. I mean, I've shipped from Japan to the U.S. here. Mm -hmm. And they have other products, too, if you're not interested in in the supplements. But, like, the shikwasa lime powder is good. And they also had a Japanese purple sweet potato powder that you can (gasps) put in um, smoothies or yogurt bowls that are really good. My mom loves the purple sweet potato. Um. I'm into all of that. Oh, well, Wellness East. I need all of that. I need all of the above. Please and thank you. <laughs> Send me your referral code. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think there is one, but <laughs> link will be in the show notes. <laughs> and and then just a quick second, um, Gold Star. It's Valentine's Day today <laughs> when this episode comes yeah. out. So my second Gold Star is for Minted which is an online marketplace where they do premium design goods. They have really good greeting cards and you can either shop straight from minted or sometimes they're in stores like target. I got my parents' Valentine's card was minted and I bought it in target. And it's just like a beautiful way to support independent art, like design artisan people. And the card was like really sentimental and cute. So minted, if you also want like a different way to shop. I second minted and I'll put a stamp of approval and recommendation for that. That is where I've ordered. um, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to be the family that puts out a Christmas card every year. I just, it's not, I love getting them. (laughs) I just can't trust myself to get the deadline. So, but I did make one to announce. uh, I didn't, I didn't get Christmas, but I got New Year. So I did one uh, to announce uh, when Eric and I got married and I ordered it through Minted, and I, I still love that card to this day. Just the quality, the thickness. Aww. It was so easy to send. Um, so I retweet, recommend. Good, yeah. And like I've never done custom goods. I just got like one of their like cards in Target. Mm-hmm. But yeah, custom design work or some of the pre-made ones. They're all gorgeous. Um, what are you manifesting? Um, I'm manifesting. I saw this from an Instagrammer. I She's not an Instagrammer. She's a personal finance educator mm-hmm. and business owner, but I follow her on Instagram, Tanya Rapley. And she put in her Instagram post, I prioritize my healing because you can lie to the world, but baby, you can't lie to your nervous system. Ah! And... <laughs> I loved that. You like, you know, so many times we're all about like putting on like the right front and face and seeing uh-huh. like my work isn't stressful. Everything's great. And she's like, you have to prioritize your healing because your nervous system will know if you are totally out of whack. Mm-hmm. And I've been that person before who my hair is falling out, I'm skipping my monthly site, like all sort of crazy things are happening in my body because of stress. And it's just a good reminder that you have to put that first. So prioritize your healing. I love that. You can't lie to your nervous system. You can lie to everybody else. (laughs) Exactly. She's watching, baby. She'll know. (laughs) She'll know that you haven't slept. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Your gut, your skin will tell you, if anything. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's so funny. Um, Mine's also from Instagram, but she is from an artist I'm sure like her quotes have been circulating for quite some time um, more from Morgan Harper Nichols. 
And I like this for just the manifestation of February. And that's may February be a space for embracing wholeness rather than striving for perfection. Um, so as Ooh. to recovering perfectionists, <laughs> I feel like that spoke very true. And I, I feel further and further away from perfection in the best way possible, or at least just like highlighting that in my life. Uh, and so this was just like a, a really nice reminder to, yeah, embrace the wholeness and say bye-bye to perfection. Peace out. Amen. I second that to the the recovering perfectionist in me. And I still feel her rear her head in strange moments where I'm like, oh, like even like we recently put like we spoke about the podcast on LinkedIn and I think that was like the final frontier where I was so afraid to put it there because I was like, oh, this is a professional space I and know. the podcast isn't perfect. And it felt so freeing to release that perfectionist and say, just talk about it. Like no one's expecting it to be polished right away. Um, so I like that. Release the pro- – what? say it again? Um, May, February, yeah, embr- be a space for embracing wholeness rather than striving for perfection. I love it. I love that. Snaps, snaps, claps, claps. Ah, um, I'm I'm excited for us as we parallel our Ikigai journeys with our piloting journeys. And I hope all of you listening are also on this journey to figuring out what that center of gravity is for you and that like North Star, as the folks like to say. Um, and that's like mm. discovering your Ikigai. And I think, yeah, once we find that, we're just we'll, like, how do we get to a life that feels full, fulfilled, at peace, but happy? And we all deserve that. So we do at whatever scale your your thing could be. I'm revolutionizing the world and building the next Uber or it could be my icky guy is playing with the neighbor kids yeah. once a week. So their parents can have a date night. Like it, like it doesn't have to be humongous, um, but it can still feel big and important, even if it's something simple. Small change is very impactful. So nothing's nothing's ever really small. How about that? Yeah, you know, true. It's in the eye of the beholder. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you got something out of our book club episode, and maybe you're inspired to read Ikigai and take lessons from other cultures as well on your purpose and piloting journey. And until next time, thanks for stopping by. We'll see ya. Bye.